0: well it's it's a real pleasure to be back though um, it's really really great to be here and uh, you're very very welcome if you are new particularly it's a real delight to have you with us and we hope that you uh, feel encouraged and built up and um, through through what you what we do together and uh, what you hear and um, it's the start of a new year and I don't know if you're into doing New year's resolutions particularly um, I kind of don't tend to do them much, but not because I don't believe in them, just because I just never get round to actually sitting down and thinking, what do I want to do differently? But um, what we, as we start the new year, it's often quite a good time, as I said, to take stock a little bit and to start and to think through what are some things that we want to grow in as a church. And so, we, one area that we uh, that we want to particularly learn to grow in as a church uh, across the board, really, is the area of evangelism, which is basically telling people who don't know about Jesus, telling them about Jesus. And with the aim, ultimately, of seeing them come to know Jesus. And that's an area that we we want to grow. And we want to make sure that this is something that, uh, that actually is part of, part of our day-to-day lives, part of what we do in our everyday. And um, that's something that, personally, I feel slightly hypocritical standing here and preaching on this today because this is a major area of weakness in my life. I'll just I'm start just by being very honest. This is, a, this is an area where I... I want to grow because uh, I, I see a, a number of people here, and I think you guys are so much further ahead than me. But this is an era I want to grow. I want to, I want to grow that in my day-to-day, telling people the good news about Jesus is just a normal thing to do. And so we want to, we want to make, look to grow as a church, look to see what does the Bible say about evangelism, about telling people about Jesus, we want to learn to grow in that by uh, having a, a term of life groups where we're going to be intentionally slightly more outwards focused. So there will still be the community aspect to it, but there's going to be a, an outwards kind of focus to it. And we want to learn to grow in this particular area. And some of you are great at this, and we want to be able to learn from you. Some of you may fall into the same boat as me, and you think, I, I want to grow. I want to grow at becoming more passionate and more effective at telling other people about Jesus. And another thing that we're doing as part of that, is, you kind of might be wondering where this long-winded spiel is going, is we're starting a three-week series right at the beginning of the year called Everyone a Witness. And uh, the idea is we want to spend three weeks looking at how we can make sure that we are introducing people to Jesus introducing people to the one that we've been singing about and making a lot of noise about because he's changed our lives and we want to tell other people how they can have their lives changed by Jesus. And uh, so we've called it everyone a witness. And uh, the Bible tells us, so Acts 1, 8, you come, up on, come up on the screen, don't need to flick there quickly. This is what Jesus says to his disciples just before he ascends to heaven. So he's been raised from the dead, as we've been making a lot of noise about. And he says, I'm going to ascend to heaven and rule and reign. And you need to wait and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus tells his disciples, you are going to be witnesses about me. When I ascend to heaven, I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit on, out on you and you're going to be witnesses. And what does it mean to be a witness? Hey, we often will use that word in a court, like a law court context, won't we? So a witness is someone who says, I've seen something or I've heard something and I want to let you know what I've seen or heard. So they often, witnesses are brought out as evidence. So if someone has been accused of, I don't know, robbing, a, robbing someone's house, or burgling someone's home, and there was someone who saw them do it, that person is a witness. They have seen something and they need to tell people what they've seen. And the same is true of Christians. The same is true of the first disciples. They quite literally were witnesses in the sense they had seen Jesus They'd seen his death and his resurrection, and they were meant to go and tell everyone about this. But it's broader than just that. It's not just the first Christians, or not just Christian leaders, or not just people who happen to work for the church, or not just super, super good people at at this kind of stuff that we often call evangelists. This is something that is for everyone, which is why we call the series Everyone a Witness. This is not just for missionaries. This is for every single Christian. Uh, It tells us that in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, Peter's writing to the church, not just the leaders in the church, or not just to the special evangelists, and he says, in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Everyone always be ready to give a defence for the hope that is in you. And so Peter's assuming that people will notice the slightly different lifestyle of the people who are in this church, and that they're going to ask, why is it that you act differently? Why is it that you have such a sense of hope? And Peter's saying, when that happens, you need to be ready to tell them, why is it that you have this sense of hope? So that's, that's where we're going for the next three weeks. We're going to be thinking, how can we make sure that we are able to grow as individuals and as a church in the area of being witnesses to Jesus? And uh, to make it nice and easy to remember, because all sermons need to have alliterations and three points and so on, um, everyone a witness. We have got three, what you might call tools, in order to make sure that we're being as effective witnesses as possible. And those, each starts with a W, so you can remember the internet thing, WWW. Words, works, and wonders. Okay, so words, telling people stuff, works, doing good things, and wonders. For example, praying for the sick and seeing them healed. And those are tools that God gives us in order to introduce people to Jesus. And today we're going to look at the first of those W's, which is words. And uh, so that's the privilege that I've got to talk about today. And there is a message that people need to hear and that people need to respond to. That's basically the, the basic idea. And in a sense, I've kind of got the most foundational, fundamental week of the three. Because you could have works, you could be really good at doing good stuff, but never actually tell someone about Jesus. You could even, and this is scary, you could even pray for someone to be healed, and they're healed, but yet they don't end up hearing the good news about Jesus. And all of those things are great, and that's why we're going to spend a week looking at each of those. But if we don't actually introduce people to Jesus, we're missing out the major thing that we want people... It's great to do good stuff to people actually regardless of whether they're going to meet Jesus or not. But we want to make sure that we're telling people the message of Jesus. And for me, again, I just want to be honest at the start, I find it more comfortable to buy some food for a homeless person or even to talk to someone on the street and offer to pray for them than I do to say, can I share the good news of Jesus with you? I'm just going to be honest. I find that much less daunting than sharing the gospel with someone. And so for me, this is a particularly... It's slightly odd that I'm I'm the one preaching on this week. I'm saying, I'm not an expert. I am not an expert at this. But we're going to look at what the Word of God says, and we're going to look to grow together. So are you going to join me in that challenge? You join me in the challenge of growing, in telling people the good news about Jesus. And uh, what what I've realized is, because this is an area where I feel like I'm particularly weak, an area that I don't get that much practice on, I thought, I, I want to make sure that I'm actually doing stuff that is going to help me to grow in this area. And so one of the things I've decided to do is, every couple of weeks, I've been doing this for a a few weeks now, every couple of weeks, myself and Michael Williams and then other people who are free to join if they want to, go out into the centre of Peterborough and we just try and find ways of talking to people about Jesus. Now, that might sound terrifying, and on one level it is, but the great thing about doing it with two of us is you kind of have that sense of accountability. You're like, well, we're here, we've got to do it. And and actually, it's it's been really exciting. It's meant that I've, I've got to share the, the gospel, the good news with people. And that's exciting. And so uh, that's, that's something that I'm doing to make sure that this just becomes something that's much more normal in my life and doesn't end up being something where, something that can happen when you work for the church, unfortunately, is you end up basically only knowing Christians. And that can be a real danger. And I, and I think I don't want to fall into that because, one, I want to I follow Jesus and obey Jesus. But two, I don't want to be a leader in a church and, ask, and encourage people to do stuff if I'm not actually doing that myself. And so that's something I've started doing. And like I said, if you are free on well, whichever day of the week we decide to do it this year, then you're very welcome to come and join. But that's something that I've decided to do. And so there might be certain things as a result of today or as a result of the next few weeks that you think, here is a practical thing that I can do in order to, help, in order to allow God to help me to grow in this. And we want to see people saved, ultimately. That's what we want. So I'm doing this on the one hand to make sure that I'm growing in that area. But on the other hand, the ultimate reason is we want to see people come to know Jesus. And that's why we do it, ultimately. And so people have, there is a message that people need to hear, and we need to tell them the message. But you might be sitting here and you think, well, I, you know what, I, meet, I know lots of non-Christians. I, I work with them. I interact with them. They're part of my family. They're part of my day-to-day life. I talk with them a lot. But what is it that they actually need to hear? And what we're going to spend a bit of time doing today is thinking through what is it that, what, what are the words that people need to hear? We can talk about the works and the wonders in a couple of weeks, but what are the words or what's the message that people need to hear? And those of you who've grown up in church will probably know what the, uh, the name of this message is. It starts with a G. Anyone know? Come on. Gospel, there we go. Now, the gospel is one of those words that is known by people who are Christians and is also known by people who haven't necessarily grown up in a Christian context, but they will think it means something very different. If you've not grown up in a, in a church environment, you will most likely hear the word gospel and think, oh, that's the name of a kind of music where lots of very excited people in long robes start singing and clicking their hands, uh, clicking their hands, cl- <laughs> clapping their hands, <laughs> clicking their fingers. The gospel is not like when when we talk about the gospel it might sound like a religious word but actually in the new testament in the time that jesus was around and the disciples were around it wasn't a new weird word it was a word that just meant good news that's what the the gospel is good news so anytime you hear the word gospel obviously unless it's referring to a gospel choir it means good news it means the good news and it's not good advice it's not a good formula. So it's not like, here are three steps to make your life better. It's good news. Okay? So the way that BBC News works, if you turn on the, TV, the BBC News at 10, is it usually doesn't start with, welcome to BBC News at 10. Here are a few things that you can do to improve your life. That's not usually the way that BBC News works. It starts with, welcome to BBC News at 10, cue a whole load of stories about things that are going on. And the gospel is a story. It is the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven to rule and reign over all things, the fact that he's coming back. It's the story of Jesus. Like I said, it's not good advice. It's not three steps to improve your life. It's the story of a person. In fact, this hit me between the eyes, and I'm kind of slightly ashamed to say that I'd never realized it before because it's kind of blindingly obvious but what's the name of the first four books of the New Testament? Okay, right. What are they called, though? Gospels, right? Okay, so that wasn't the thing I hadn't realized. I didn't know they were called Gospels. What struck me a few years back is I suddenly, I suddenly realized there's a reason they're called Gospels. There's a reason that they are called the Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to John, the Gospel according to Mark. It's because they contain the Gospel. They are stories about Jesus and what he has done, and who he is, and what he's going to do. And so if we're talking about what is the message that people need to hear, fundamentally, they need to hear the story of Jesus. And actually, that is a message not just that people who don't know Jesus need to hear. It's a message that we, as believers, also need to hear. It's the whole story of Jesus. So when you read the Gospel of Matthew from start to beginning, you are reading the Gospel. When you read the Gospel of Mark, from the start at the beginning, you are reading the Gospel. But some of you might have your minds whirring at this point and think, yeah, but that is a lot to tell someone if I'm going to have a conversation about Jesus. It's like, oh, can you just tell me what you believe? Oh, yes, of course. Let's open up to the Gospel of Matthew and start with a genealogy. And then 28 chapters later, you say, and that is the Gospel. So we might need to ask ourselves, is there a, a kind of Gospel in a nutshell is there, so the, the gospel is the story of Jesus in its entirety, but are there elements of the gospel that are more central, that are more kind of the kind of things you think, you know what, you can't decide to follow Jesus unless you know this. You might not be familiar with all of the parables in the, in, in the gospels, but if you don't know this about Jesus, you really can't make an informed decision as to whether you want to follow him. And the answer is there is which we'll call the Gospel in a Nutshell. And what we're going to do is we're going to open to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. And uh, this is kind of a, basically a summary of what is it that the early Christian preachers, early Christian leaders, in a nutshell, what is it that they told people? What is it that they wanted them to know about Jesus in order for them to decide, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I want to make a decision to follow him. And 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 11 is the Apostle Paul's summary of the good news of Jesus, or the gospel. But the great thing is this isn't just the Apostle Paul's summary. This is the Apostle Paul saying, here is the summary of the gospel that I was also told. And so we're going to read this together. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 11. And then we'll look through that together. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's another name for Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles. unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that as we read this, it is truth. It is pure, undiluted truth. And Father, thank you that we have just read something which is of first importance that Paul says. And so Father, I pray as we look at this now, I pray you would teach us to delight in it. And I pray you would help us to delight in the idea of sharing this good news with other people, God. And Father, I pray that you would be with us by your spirit and that you would work in our hearts. Amen. Amen. So this is Paul. Paul is, reminding the, oh, sorry. Paul is reminding the church in a place called Corinth, which is in uh, modern-day Greece. He's reminding them of the message that he passed on to them. He's saying, look, here is a summary of the message about Jesus that I preached to you. And he's telling them in verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now, Paul told them lots of stuff. Okay, so, if he's going to, sp- he spent about 18 months with them, according to the book of Acts. He's going to tell them more than just this over and over again on repeat. But what he says here is he says, I am going to remind you now of the thing that I told you, which is of first importance. Sorry to talk about the BBC again, but does anyone have the BBC News app on their phone? Yeah? yeah? Okay, so has anyone, got- has anyone ever scrolled down far enough to get to the also in the news section? Okay, so it's usually stories that kind of don't, they don't really make the headlines. I know things like Dog Passes Its GCSEs or some, stuff that you think that's not going to make the headlines. Well, actually, that probably would. But stories that don't make the headlines, but they're worth putting in there because most of the time they're quite funny. Paul is saying that is not the message that I proclaim to you. The message that I'm about to remind you of is not the, the Bible equivalent of also in the news. The message I'm about to remind you of is the headlines. This is the big thing that I told you. It's of first importance. It's the thing that you have to make sure that you know. You have to remember. And he says elsewhere, actually, in another letter that he wrote a little bit later in Romans, Romans 1 verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is this message we're about to look at, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul is saying this is the most important message you could possibly ever hear because it is the way that God saves people. This message that we're going to unpack in a few minutes is the way that God rescues people. It's the power of God for salvation. That's what it means. It's the way that God rescues people out of the life that they are currently in and rescues them to bring them to himself. And we have to remember that. When we're talking about the idea of sharing the gospel with people, Sometimes I think part of the difficulty is we think, well, I do want to share the gospel with this person, but when I say the gospel to people, it it just sounds like it's the kind of thing people are just going to laugh at. The idea of Jesus dying and then being raised from the dead. And Paul was aware of that. A bit earlier on in 1 Corinthians, the the letter that we've been reading, he says, you know what? The message of the cross is foolishness to the world, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And we need to remember that The power of the gospel is not in whether it sounds plausible. It's not in whether our society would say, oh yeah, that that sounds uh, that sounds like a great idea. The power of the gospel is in the fact that it is true and it's the way that God rescues people. And so that's why it's of first importance. Anyway, so what is this message? What's the gospel? Well, let's quickly reread. Verses three to four, because that's where Paul says, this is it. This is it in a nutshell, basically. What I would want someone to to definitely be aware of before they decide whether they want to follow Jesus. Verse three, I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Not many words, but very powerful words. Christ died for our sins. First word kind of in a sense, says it all. So Christ is a title that was given to Jesus. And so the first word of this message that Paul is reminding them of is Christ, Jesus. Fundamentally, the gospel is a story about him. It's not fundamentally a story about us. The gospel, the good news, is about Jesus. And people need to know who Jesus is. People need to realize that he is God's son. People need to realize that he is the king of the universe. People need to realize that he is the most amazing, awesome person that could ever possibly have existed. And I find that in my life, I find it, it's often quite easy to talk to people about church and it's often harder to talk to people about Jesus. And talking to people about church is often a great way to then talk to people about Jesus because we are the body of Christ on earth. But actually, are there times where we're telling people about church but we're not telling people about Jesus? Because the church doesn't save people, but Jesus saves people. And so we need to remember right at the start, the gospel is about Jesus. He need, people need to be introduced to Jesus. They need to be. They need to find out about him. So just a, a bit of a tip, when you're sharing your story or even talking about church to people, think of ways, how can I make sure that the way that I share it makes it very clear that Jesus is the one who's changed my life? Yes, you may have experienced the power of Jesus through the church, but Jesus is the one who's ultimately changed your life. So that's the first thing. It's about Jesus. Second thing, verse 3, Christ died for our sins. People need to know that Jesus died. That's absolutely central to the gospel. But they also need to know why did he die. It's not just Jesus died, because everyone dies at some point in their life. But Paul says here, actually, Jesus did not just die, come in the flesh he did not just come as a human being in order to teach people how to love god more he did do that you read the read the gospels and you realize that a lot of his life is telling people about the good news of god and telling them how they how they need to obey him and so on but jesus came to deal with a fundamental problem he came to deal with the problem of what the bible calls sin and that is the things that we do individually and as a corporate people and as nations and as humanity that are in rebellion against God humanity fundamentally has a problem and actually you you don't need to be a genius to figure it out because you look around the world you look at a lot of the news that's going on recently and you think there is a huge problem with humanity we are capable of incredible good that's true we are also capable of unspeakable evil And the scary thing is the potential for that is in every single one of us. And so you might not have done what uh, the world might see as the most horrific sins in your life, but there is something in every single one of us that has the potential to do something absolutely horrific. We have all rebelled against God. And Jesus came to pay the debt that was required for the sin that we had. He died... And in his death, the Bible uses lots of different images for this. One of the images it used is the idea of paying the debt that we owe to God because of our sin. Another image that it uses is the idea of victory over sin. So our sins are the things that we do wrong. But sin is also a power that infects everything like a virus. And when Jesus died, he broke the power of that virus to, have, to dictate what humanity does. So that those who follow Jesus actually are set free from the power of sin. Jesus died for our sins. People need to know that. They need to know who Jesus is. They need to know he died. They need to know that he died for their sins, whether or not they understand all the ins and outs of it. They need to understand that he was buried, which is, I think, a way of saying he really did die. He didn't appear to die. And then three days later, kind of crawl out of a tomb and say, hi, I've been raised from the dead. That wouldn't have been convincing to anyone. Jesus died and he was buried. And then on the third day, he was raised to life again. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus coming back to life again was a real event in history. That's one of the amazing things about this this gospel, this good news, is that it either happened or it didn't. It's not one of those things where you're like, well, you know what, it works for you, but it doesn't really work for me. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're wasting our time okay, there's no kind of, well, it works for you, it doesn't work for me, and it kind of makes me happy. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are all giving our lives to a lie. But because Jesus did rise from the dead, everything changes. And Jesus rose from the dead, and that means he's alive now. So Jesus didn't just come back to life to say, hey, by the way, I've been raised from the dead, but I'm going to die again a few years later. He is alive now. He's been raised to everlasting life. That means he's ruling as king. There is not, as, as one preacher put it, there is not a single square foot of the whole of this creation over which Jesus doesn't say, mine. He is king over all things. And his resurrection demonstrates that his death really did pay the price. His resurrection demonstrates that his death really did win the victory over sin. And he destroyed death at his resurrection. And that means that for those who follow him, there is a day where death will be defeated in their own lives as well. There's a day coming where Christ is going to return in glory and those of us who follow him will be raised just as Christ was raised from the dead. It's amazing. That's the, it's the gospel in a nutshell. And as you can tell by the fact that I'm going on and on about different parts of it, you can summarize it in 30 seconds, as Paul does, and you can elaborate it on for the whole of your life. And that's the glorious thing about the gospel is it's giant, but it's also something that you can introduce people to in a very short amount of time. And you won't necessarily explain all of that in each conversation. You won't necessarily go through everything. But those are the things of first importance that we want to make sure that how do we know if this person is ready to make the commitment to follow Jesus? Do they understand that Jesus died for their sins? Do they understand that he really did die and that he was raised from the dead on the third day? And do they understand that if they want to follow him, it means signing up for the fact that he is king and he is Lord, and he is now in control. So in a sense, people don't need to know much in order to follow Jesus. But they do need to know a few things that are very, very important. And that's the message that we proclaim to people. That's the message that we want to see people respond to and see people delight in. But let's get a bit practical then. Where do we start? Okay, so you might be thinking, well, I, I kind of knew that but how do I actually go about sharing that with people? And for me, very often, it's the question is, how do I start the conversation? So I might think, okay, I've got, I've, I've, I know what the gospel is, but how do I actually start sharing it with someone? Where do I, what do I do? Do I kind of just halfway through a conversation, stop and say, guys, I just want to tell you something. You know what? There may be context where that is actually the right thing to do. So I don't want to, I won't, don't want to dismiss that. But let's just think of maybe just a few practical tips and there will be many, many more as we help each other. And some of you here will be far, far, far better at doing this than me. And so we can help one another. But maybe just a few tips. Think, how do we start? Where do we start with this? How do we go about actually sharing the good news of Jesus? And I think the first and perhaps perhaps the most important, or joint most important with the last one, I'll say, delight in the gospel yourself. De- spend time delighting in the good news of Jesus for yourself. Have you ever had the experience where you've had someone trying to sell you something, but you can tell that they don't really believe in the product? It's a real turn-off. It's just like, well, I'm, I don't, if you don't think it's any good, I'm not going to buy it. Whereas actually often the, the people that we often trust the most and feel like we can say, oh, actually, yeah, I will buy this thing, is when you can tell that clearly they use this product and it's made a difference to their life. If we're not delighting in the gospel, a couple of problems emerge. One, we probably won't want to share the gospel. And two, if we do share the gospel, it will usually be done out of guilt. And also, it won't sound particularly appealing to people because they'll think, well, you clearly haven't had your life changed by this. So let's make sure that we are delighting in the gospel. It has power. It has power to change our lives, not just when we go from being people who are not followers of Jesus to following him, but also as we grow in being believers. So I think perhaps one of the, if not the most, one of the most important things is delight yourself in the gospel. Spend time thinking about it. Spend time preaching the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of what Jesus has done. I think another thing which could be helpful and is not yet, not yet particularly intimidating is practice sharing the gospel with each other. So one of the things we're doing with this term is having life groups that are looking to be a bit more outward focused. Maybe one of the things you can do in your life groups one week is think, why don't we practice sharing the good news of Jesus with each other? There are various games that you can actually do in order to to do that like anyone have match stick testimonies you like light a match and you've got like uh, however long it takes to burn to to quickly tell someone something about the gospel you might want to do it in a slightly less dangerous way but i think sometimes (laughs) preaching the gospel to each other can be a great way of saying actually this is giving me confidence that i could tell someone who doesn't know about jesus (laughs) the good news i think another real winner is tell people your own story tell people your story of meeting jesus the great thing about personal stories is that, on the one hand, they're very, they're very kind of dis, like, disarming. So people will not put barriers up quite as quickly if you're just sharing your own experience, as if you go in and say, right, let me tell you all about Jesus. And I'm not saying you never do that, by the way. I, think, I, don't, I do not think that sharing your own story is the only way of preaching the gospel. In fact, if anything, actually, you read the book of Acts, and it doesn't seem to be the main way, but I think it's a great way of introducing people to Jesus, where you say, here's what Jesus has done for me. Can I tell you how Jesus changed my life? And I think that, on the one hand, that can be disarming. On the other hand, it's also quite difficult to argue with because it's, it's your experience. And so they might not agree with it, but they're probably going to say, well, that clearly it has made a difference in your life. So I think that's another great way of practically going about it. Another thing, and I'll just mention a few more practical things and then we'll respond to this. Mention, mention bits as you go. Just kind of pepper your general day-to-day conversation with people with things that will link into the gospel somehow. So example of this would be, so um, Bex was, a little, was feeling a bit ill a little while ago, and I felt at, at the, at the um, early bird prayer meeting, I felt God say, oh, what, you, why don't you go back home and pray for her to be to be healed? And I prayed for her, and actually she did start to do, do a bit better. It wasn't like instantaneous, immediate healing, but she did feel a bit better that day. And Bex's parents, who don't go to church, aren't aren't followers of Jesus, were taking care of Zoe that day. And so it was just a chance that I had at at that point where they were were saying, how's Bex doing? I said, well, she's actually doing a bit better today. Um, And it's great because actually we prayed about that this morning. And so it's just putting those little things. And I do not do that as much as I would want to. That is a rarity, unfortunately, in my life. But it's ways of just peppering the conversation so people think, ah, that clearly what they believe does make a difference to the way that they live. I think asking people questions is another great way. So you you don't have to think right. I need this complete monologue. I need to basically stand up and preach to people now. You can ask people questions. So you could ask your friends things like, "Do you know? Do you know what?" It, so you know that I go to church. Do you know what it is that we actually believe? And just listen to them. Listen to what they what they think the answer might be to that. What their explanation is. You could ask people, "Have you ever had an experience of being in church? What?" What do you think about Jesus? Is he someone you've ever actually heard anything about? One thing that we asked actually when we went out recently to do a bit of street evangelism is we found people who we thought might be up for a chat. Some of them were, some of them definitely weren't. But um, some, when, when they were, we said, well, we're going around, we we're asking people, what do you think is wrong with the world? And people would give what their view was. What's amazing with that question is every single answer that they would give connects to the gospel in some way. And so someone actually said, which I thought was very interesting, she said, well, human beings. I thought, well, <laughs> that's a really interesting answer. In a sense, you've kind of got the, hit the nail on the head, really, there. And so you're able to then kind of say, well, that's, that's really interesting, you should say that. Can I just tell you what, as Christians, we believe about that particular thing? You could, Depending on how, far, how good, in, good a relationship you have with them or how far along the journey they are, you could say, what is it that would actually stop you from becoming a follower of Jesus? You might not want to ask them that, and the, I don't know, the first time you meet them at work. But if you've got a good relationship with them and you can talk honestly, you say, What is it that would stop you? Have you got any objections or anything that you're not sure of? And so you're just working it into conversation. So it feels perhaps a little bit less like, oh, I need to have this monologue prepared. But we do need to tell people the good news about Jesus. Because every one of us is called to be a witness. And uh, fundamentally, the thing that is most going to help us with this which I think goes hand in hand with delighting yourself in the gospel, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you read the book of Acts, they knew that they had a mission to get on on with at some point. Jesus tells his disciples right at the beginning of the book of Acts, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses all around the world. But he tells them, you need to wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And what you see in the first couple of chapters of Acts is people go from being... I don't know, slightly scared. So you look at Jesus' disciples when he, when he died, and they just ran. They all legged it. Peter denied him three times. And within a few weeks, he was standing up preaching to 3,000 and seeing 3,000 people saved. What had happened? The answer is he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what I would love us to do is, is kind of a... a a double-edged response really here because i realise realised that there might be some of you who are here today and you would not say that you're a follower of Jesus. you say, actually, I'm kind of sympathetic to, to church and I might, you might have been coming along for a few weeks and you're very, very welcome if that's the case. But you might have been hearing what I've been saying and you might have suddenly thought, you know what, that is... You said something today and I want to explore that further. You know what, I, I might want to actually follow Jesus and I, I, I want to have a chat with someone so if that's you, we've got some, the cards are out on the table, aren't they? If that's you and you would love to meet up with someone to be able to talk to you a bit more and to have someone just explain what it means to follow Jesus a little bit more, just answer some of your questions or even just have a chat and we'll buy you a coffee and you'd be very, very welcome. If you want to leave your contact details on there and, um, and afterwards, the stewards just put them face down on the table and the stewards will come and pick them up at the end, then we would love to be able to talk to you further and to talk to you about how amazing Jesus is. And so if that's you, as the rest of us may be, may be responding, you might want to just jot down your details on there and say, oh yeah, I'd love to find out more. You'd be very welcome to, and we would love to talk to you more about Jesus. But for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, and who are thinking, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm convinced that sharing the good news of Jesus is something that we do need to do. But if I'm very honest with myself, I find it incredibly intimidating I want to offer a chance for us to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with boldness. And um, I'm not sure exactly how we might do this, but <laughs> great, D- Dave saw, saw me look at him. It might, be, it might be worth just having a bit of, the, maybe the band want to play some music in the background. And I just think there's, there's something about praying for each other that's really helpful, but also making a bit of a stand and saying, you know what, I... I would I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I've, I'll have my hands up in the air because I will, I will want to as well. But if there are some of, us who, some of you who are here today and you're thinking, you know what, I, I, I would love some of my brothers and sisters in Christ to pray with me that I would be filled with the Spirit and that I would experience the kind of boldness that the apostles seem to have when you read the New Testament. Then if that's you, would you can I ask you to be brave and to stand right now? Just give a few minutes for... And if there's more people than stand, then we have prayers, and that's fine. We can all pray for each other. That's not a problem. But I think particularly if you feel, I want to grow in boldness, and I know that I need the power of the Spirit to help me, and that's great. Well, It looks like a a, a good number of us, which, to be honest, in in a sense is is probably expected, because the Bible does tell us to go on being filled with the Spirit. if you're near one of those people and you're not standing up yourself or if there's a whole row of people standing up and therefore it's more difficult, you can just lay our hands on each other and I'm going to pray that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit. Okay? This may be something that you regularly experience, God filling you with the boldness and the, of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us to go on being filled with the Spirit so we want to be able to pray for each other. And so, Father, we thank you that you have given your Holy Spirit to us. Thank you that he lives in us. He lives amongst us. Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's a person. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is not not primarily a power or a liquid or anything. He is a person who strengthens us. And so, Father, I pray that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill us with boldness? Boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. I feel that for some of us here, I feel God's going to start putting a real a, a burden for those who don't know Jesus. And for it... it, it it might immediately feel like an overwhelming sense, crushing sense of a burden for those who don't know Jesus. So Father, I pray you would you do that. Would Would you fill us, fill us with power from on high so that we could proclaim the good news of Jesus? Well, We love you. We want to know your presence amongst us and we want other people to know this glorious news of Jesus. And so we pray right now father would you fill us afresh with the spirit why don't you just continue praying for each other continue asking for yourself let's just spend some time here we've got we're, it's about 12 so we've got we we've got a little bit of buffer time we can run over a little bit that's that's not a problem so let's not run let's not rush away let's just bear and if the, the band wanna just. Play in the background for a few minutes, and then maybe we can re-sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Father, fill us, we pray, with the Spirit. As we, as we continue, why don't you... Like I said earlier, there's, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. There is, a, there is power in the message of Jesus' death, his resurrection... And uh, so what might be great is if, if and, and all of us can do this, but particularly if you're wanting to be filled with boldness, is to maybe just start speaking the words of the gospel over yourself and thanking Jesus. I'm going to do that myself. I'm, I'm mod, model how that can work. And uh, just start speaking these words of truth over yourself. And I trust that God is going to use his truth that is breathed out by God to give us boldness. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that Jesus died for my sins. Thank you that he died for my sins. Thank you that he was buried. That he went under the earth for 3 days and that he rose again victorious. Thank you that he's now set me free from the power of sin. Thank you he's set me free from the grip of Satan. He's set me free from everything that held me. Father, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so thankful for what you've done. So thankful for the gospel. So thankful for the power of God that has set me free. Let's set me free. Let's spend a few minutes doing that all together. Get the guys to mute me so you don't keep hearing me, but let's keep doing that all together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that it is the power of God for salvation, for everyone who believes. Father, thank you that it is of first importance. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to delight in it. And Lord, I want to pray that this year is a year that we would see massive, massive evangelistic breakthrough as a church. I want to pray that for myself. Lord, I, Lord, I want to repent and say I'm sorry for the way that I've, I, can, I can easily neglect this. Lord God, I thank you that, Lord, you provide grace and you provide boldness. And so, Father, I want to say, use me. Use us. Use us so that this dying world would hear the good news of Jesus. Pray, Father, give us the words to speak. Help us to, not, help us to not become anxious about the words we're going to say. Help us to trust that your Holy Spirit will remind us of them at the time. Lord, help us to be people who share the good news. And I pray we would see many, 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 many stories of the gospel shared. And ultimately, we'd see many, many, many people repent from their sins, baptized into Christ because someone at Life Church shared the gospel with them. We pray that. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray that. Amen.